GameZillaMedia.com. It's time for the last action podcast. Pop quiz, hot shot. Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need. The need for speed. Kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome to this week's episode of the Last Action Podcast. I am LPJ. And I am joined by a man who was snubbed by me a very long time ago and tracked me down only to get shot in the face by me later on in life. Hovercraft Joe. Uh, your intros are getting like longer and and crazier and more, as these and more weirdly these episodes, specific. Yeah, as these episodes go on. I know. Uh, I was. I had another one and I just couldn't remember what it was. I had worked uh, it all out. It's a thing. Anyway, hi. All right. <laughs> Thank, thanks for having me again. No problem. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want you want to introduce the Tush? Too late. I just did. I'll hey, Tush. I'm the spurn the child that hired him to come after you. <laughs> you didn't get any coal. Come on. Um, so uh, we're in the holiday season now. We, we've left November in the dust. We're, we're, we're kicking the door down to December and the holiday month. Although I don't know if we figured out if there's actually enough movies to do for the whole month. But anyways, we are. Yeah, we got to talk about that, don't we? Yeah, we'll figure it out. Uh, but we're starting tonight with a uh, classic from 2020, uh, Fat Man. And we should we should state that Fat Man stars Mel Gibson, and we are contractually obligated to have uh, Tush on Mel Gibson episodes. It's true. Yeah, it's in your writer. It's real weird. There's a lot of weird things yeah, in your writer, I know. Writer it's too. like, I want Tush, and I want to uh, be on any Mel Gibson episode. Mm-hmm. And, like, if it's an episode, if it's a movie where Mel Gibson shows his Tush, then it's like... He has to be in it. You gotta do yeah. Bird on a Wire. <laughs> well, you know, maybe in, like, season 50 or something, when we're really uh, 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 no, hard up for movies. Episode 271. <laughs> oh, 271. Oh, we're still sti- we're still sticking with that ending at 270. Okay. Um, so, like we said, we're talking about Fat Man. Uh, it's released on November 13th, uh, 2020. Um, why don't, uh, Tush, why don't you tell us your background with this movie that came out two years ago? Well, it was just, I mean, you know, it came out right in the midst of, like, the pandemic. So some theaters were open, but not very many. And our, our friend Devin just like, hey, did you see? Did you hear about this movie? And I'm like, I didn't. And I immediately went that day and got it on on demand and watched it, and I enjoyed it. Well, there you go. What about you, Tush? I am Tush. Oh, jeez. LPJ. It's been a long night, you know. Three <laughs> minutes into the show. <laughs> <clears throat> I had never heard of or seen this movie before in my life, and then it was brought up on Discord, I believe, right? I think I think it's where it, where it originated. Somebody brought it up on Discord, and we're like, "Oh, well, that'll work." And then uh, it turns out Tush had seen it, and uh, so we watched it. And this is the first time I've ever seen it. Yeah, um, I I remember uh, I remember hearing about it when it came out. I remember talking to Tush about it when it came out, um, but I never got around to seeing it until uh, my first viewing uh, for it for the podcast this week, which sadly. It, it was not available on Tubi. 
Uh, I watched it on Peacock. I don't know where you guys watched it. But. I, I also I watched it on Peacock, but what I did was I took a I took a, a, a post-it note and I wrote Tubi on it and I stuck it in the corner of my screen so that I could think it was Tubi because, guys, oh. we love Tubi. It's true. We really yeah. do. It started off as kind of a joke, but now we're, 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 all, we're all in on it, Tubi. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I, like I, I'm not so really, when I watched the copy, I owned, because you know, money. Yeah, when I watched the copy of it, I owned. I just stopped, just about three times, and had reasonably long commercial breaks. Yep. <laughs> it didn't really distract me. I watched a couple of trailers, stuff like that, just so I got the full Tubi experience. Yep. Oh, well, there you go. Um, okay, so it, it's released on November thirteenth, twenty twenty. Uh, it has a budget of twenty million dollars, which I seem kind of high, but I guess I don't know what Mel. I feel Mel like that's ten million of that goes to Mel Gibson. I was going to say I don't know what Mel Gibson's pulling down these days per movie, but ten million uh, for him, probably two million for Walt Walton Guggins. You know, I wonder if he got that much for that movie that I told you to watch called Hot Seat, where it starred him and Matt Dillon. <laughs> like he makes so many movies, I'm afraid he has something wrong with him, like Bruce Willis, and he's like you know trying to bank money. Yeah, you know, but, I, but uh, I guess I think he just likes working. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, look at uh, look at um, oh shit, what's his name? <laughs> Lethal Weapon. Danny Glover. Danny Glover. Look at Danny Glover. Danny Glover doesn't say no to a movie. He's made it's so true. many movies. Maybe. If you look at Mel Gibson's <clears throat> yep. worth, he's still under billion dollars. You know, so. Maybe he's uh, just stockpiling because he's uh, planning like another fiasco where he gets canceled for a while and he wants to be able to like have money. He is planning. I mean, and I'm not, this isn't a joke. He's planning a sequel to The Passion, so that, that he might be you know getting how's, money guard for that. that work? Um, you know, you I, know, he. I've seen the, the movie. Dead. I'm <laughs> not sure it's how that works. Naturally built for a sequel, you know. Hmm. Uh, so it, it it costs twenty million dollars to make. It has a domestic gross of two hundred and seventy eight thousand dollars, and a worldwide gross of just about a million dollars. So, yeah. but like you said, in the middle of the pandemic, so it wasn't like it was really in theater. So, and it, I don't it was have like, to... it was like right in the middle of the pandemic. Like yeah, November like... was when stuff. October actually was when things like barely opened for a second, and then immediately closed back down. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and, and again, this doesn't account for like, like you said, on demand numbers and all that stuff. So I'm sure it, it well, I, you know what, I'm not going to say it's sure it made its money back because 20 million is a decent chunk of change. Yeah. But when you sign like licensing agreements and stuff like that, that's it, it, a pretty reasonable budget for a movie. You They're know? getting all that sweet, sweet peacock money now. So exactly. peacock money, the, the action figures, the t-shirts, the plates, bed sheets, the animated series, the animated series uh, lunch boxes, <laughs> you know, the, the novelization, you know, there's, I used to love the, no I used to love movie novelizations. Like I would buy <laughs> them and read them in line at like Disney world or Cedar point, you know, like I've read so many of them. They sometimes, okay. I'll tell you, this is a crazy thing. And <clears throat> we're really getting off subject, but oh, well, the Batman and Robin novelization was written by famed comic book, uh, writer, Peter David. And it's way better than the movie. Yeah. Two novelizations that I remember reading multiple times are the original Michael Keaton Batman one, which I still own the the paperback of. Hold on. And I also, can I guess the other one? Yeah, is it Gremlins two? No, it's not Gremlins oh, two. Okay. It's it's my novelization of the Rocketeer. Oh, that's that's right. so weird. I was starting. That was be my guess. Oh, is it the Rocketeer? Yeah, no. and I think I still own both of them. But anyways, uh, okay. 
So it's Rotten Tomatoes is 44%, well above the 9% that Beverly Hills Cop 3 is still still rocking. Uh, but its audience score was 84%, which I thought was yeah. pretty uh, – pretty crazy because we know that seems about that seems about right like this is this uh, is that kind of movie yeah i, I mean I, well I, I think i've discussed it before i mean you know there's a among the critics that you know they, there's still an anti-mel gibson bias yeah you know? well yes but i will just say this you know keeping my cards close to the vest we've covered much better movies that have much lower audience scores so that's, that's that that's what was surprising to me that's i guess fair. um okay Top grossing movies of 2020, and if this wasn't a sign that 2020 was the year of the pandemic, here you go. The top grossing movies are, number one, Bad Boys for Life. (laughs) Number two, Sonic the Hedgehog. Good movie. And number three, Birds of Prey. And this movie, Fat Man, came in 135th in the domestic box office for 2020. And Birds of Prey basically got because it came out in January, so it's like this couple of months before the pandemic started. Yeah. Well, 1.7 million to, to, to even be on the list is pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, no, that's on the list with the 278,000. Oh, really? Yeah, because it's just a domestic, domestic risk. Yeah. Oh, wow. All right, moving on. <laughs> um, okay, uh, cast of this movie. All I got for you is Mel Gibson and Walton Goggins. I love Walton Goggins. Uh, playing Skinny Man, I guess I didn't know that was his name in this. And, yeah, they reveal uh, his real name at the end, but yeah, and then, unremarkable. And then Mel Gibson playing Chris. I don't know if you guys got anybody else. I, just, I mean, that Marie Marianne Jean Baptiste. She's in a lot of stuff. She's like she was in the, the RoboCop remake. She's been like she, she's in a lot of English stuff. I mean, she, she's like what I, I remember like. I definitely had to look her up when I when I saw the movie, but like I recognize her. You know, when she's I guess in, I did recognize her. I just didn't pull anything she was from or yeah. nothing came to me that she was from uh okay uh you, you want to do a couple net worths sure how many are there two there's two right. uh, and you may guess who they are uh let's start with our friend walton goggins uh he's got that sweet sweet justified money what do you think tush um he's got that sweet sweet uh episode of community he was on money i'm gonna say he's worth 20 million he works okay. a lot Okay, what do you think, um, LPJ? He's in that sweet, sweet Hateful Eight money, and he was good in that. Ooh, he was excellent in that. He was great in Hateful Eight. Uh, I'm going to say I'll go $12 million. Right on the button, $12 million. Way to go, LPJ. It's going to be uh, a good night, guys. And then finally, Mel Gibson. He's got that sweet, sweet man without a face money. What do you think, LPJ, for Mel Gibson? Ooh, he's got that sweet, sweet... Um, that sweet, sweet payback money. Uh, well, I'll say five hundred million. Okay. I feel Tush. like if you brought back payback, like I should just be like, "Hey, it was only sixty or seventy grand," you know, to keep <laughs> saying that in the movie. But he's got that sweet, sweet boss level money. <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna say four hundred million. He was in that boss level movie. Yeah, he was the bad guy. Oh, I guess that movie was kind of unremarkable. I remember watching he was it. Was the I... boss? Oh, all right, fair enough. Uh, what'd you say again, Tush? Sorry. Uh, four hundred million. Uh, four hundred and twenty-five million dollars for Sir Mel Gibson. I know he's not a sir. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think so. Not yet. Um, so this movie is Very written. You're an English citizen. This movie is written and directed 
by Esham Nels and Ian Nelms. I, I, anything on them, LPJ? Uh, is Esham the rapper, the underground rapper from not, the story? Not Esham, different spelling. Um, oh, okay. Uh, I mean, these guys are famous for writing a movie called Fat Man. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it. Mel Gibson's in it. Walton Goggins. It's a Christmas movie. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, with that, you want to you want to hear some taglines? <laughs> yes. Sure. Okay. Here you go. You know the man. You know the legend. But you don't know the real story. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Next one. Tis the season to get even. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's kind of catchy. Uh, this holiday season, you don't want to be on his hit list. I don't know if that makes sense, but okay. Um, and then. You better watch out. Yeah. I mean, they're all real Christmassy. Yeah, they're all kind of on the nose. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, I was sorry. I was looking at the poster that's on IMDb to see which one they use, and it's the Tis the Season to yeah. Get Even. It's which a I cool think poster. I like the poster. Yeah. Yeah, the poster's good. Um, in my room. Do you have a poster? No. Oh, I mean, you have posters. I see a uh, Michael Collins poster behind you. It's true. You're probably the only one in the world who has a Michael Collins poster in their bedroom. Probably. Yeah, not even uh, Liam Neeson has one. He's like, it, really? It, People it, still it, like that movie? Even Michael Collins doesn't have that poster. Uh, Michael Collins has <laughs> been dead for 100 years. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I feel Too like uh, I feel like Liam Neeson and Mel Gibson make the same amount of movies these days. Oh, maybe. They do. And Liam Neeson had a weird cameo in Daddy's Home. Because when they go see Days Home 2, because when they go see the movie Mistletoe, that's really his voice, because he's friends with Mel Gibson. Remember they were in the how, together. Uh, remember when uh, Liam Neeson was like, I'm done making action movies, and now that's all he makes? Well, yeah, because they keep bringing Brinks trucks full of money to, up to his house, and it's like, okay, never mind. And he doesn't do his own stunts anymore, so he's just going <laughs> to show up. Get in there for the close-ups. Stunt double does all the wide shots. He's, He's all right. <laughs> what's what's the verdict on that movie where he kills people with a snowplow? Can we say that's a Christmas movie? Yeah, I think you can, and that's a fun movie because that that one's as much of a dark comedy as this is. Which and one? Do you it's th- a fun movie. What do you think we could sell more as a Christmas movie? That or the one where he like fights the wolves? Ooh, the, oh, the gray? I, that, the gray is legitimately <laughs> good movie. Like. No. That's a, 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 it's not really Christmassy though. I think, right. I think uh, Cold Pursuit is more Christmassy. Okay, fair enough. Um, anything you guys want to mention about this movie before we start talking about the plot? I mean, there wasn't really a lot about the movie. <laughs> it's no, uh, you know, it was it's, it was released by Saban Films, aka you know, Saban like Power Ranger Saban. They saw that. Have they ever made money on any movie? <laughs> they released like they must have one of those. They must have one of those weird Uwe Bull like tax shelters or something because every honestly, movie I see that flops is a Saban movie. No, honestly, what I think it is, um, I think just from owning Power Rangers, they have connections for a lot of overseas distribution, and okay. so I'm willing to bet like these movies are released for cheap overseas and make a decent amount, make enough, at least enough money to cover whatever the costs are. Okay. Like um, Canon. Exactly. Yeah. They kind of, it's kind of, they're like the new Canon almost, but you know, yeah. a little bit better. Uh, yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't know why that was my response. To that. I feel like this could be a short episode because it's a very straightforward movie. A very like you know, it's a quick. It's only an hour and a half. You know. It's so. true. Well, you know, so you're saying it's not going to be one of those ones where we have an episode longer than the actual movie. Right. It might be, but we'll see. I, um, I will say this. The plot of this is more complicated than I expected. I, yeah. I, I have, I have like, I, I, I'm excited to kind of do my final thoughts on this because I have like uh, a complicated relationship as I went through this movie, but I'm going to save that for when I, when I kind of explain how I feel about it. Right. Um, so it starts off with a kid, and he's he's wearing like a, a blazer with a bunch of ribbons that say "Best of Show." And I'm like, I thought those are for like dogs and dog shows. I thought that's who got Best <laughs> of Show. I thought if you went to a science fair, you got like first place. Like, think, like you I thought mean, there was gonna be like a kid dog show where like they put a treat on his nose and like I, you know, it was it was very confusing. So he uh, writes a letter to Santa. Um, we don't. <laughs> I feel like uh, Billy. That's his kid's name. We don't really get. He's a jerk. He lives with his grandma. His like dad's always gone. Uh, his grandma's rich. I don't know. I feel like they don't fill in his backstory that well for me. Like, yeah, I think. Like, yeah, I just, think it's just he's just supposed to be a rich brat. Like, I yeah. think all. I think the mise en scene just kind of explains it. Like, okay, this guy's this kid's a little you know rich ba- bastard, you know, and he's hey. you know, and then I think you know he's obviously a little snot and. And hey. you see the, the scenes with like you know his dad not being around his grandma. You know, I think it's I think it's pretty simple. Hey, Egghead, tell me what mise en scène mean or whatever. You like said everything that. you see in like the scene, like oh okay, yeah, you know. yeah. No, I think I mean, stop using your fancy words, Tush. <laughs> I mean, I think what it what it boils down to is the kid. It comes from a family of money. His dad came from a family of money. His dad uh, is an absentee dad is basically just traveling the world, sleeping with a bunch of women, and, and has no idea who his son really is. As you can tell by the, the – he sends him a teddy bear as a gift, yeah. right? And if, he, if I'm being honest, if I was rich, which I'd be the exact same. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Uh, okay. So then we go to Mel Gibson, and he's out in, like, a farm in the snow, and he's shooting beer cans and, like, Christmas tins, and that's, like, our introduction to him, okay? Then we go cut to Walton Goggins. He's, like, in a room, and, like, this guy brings him a bat to sell to sell him, and he's, like, inspecting it, and there's, like, a thing on the bottom that says, like, made in Santa's warehouse, and he, like, buys it from the guy. Um, so more on that later. Um, Billy is really mad because he got second place at the uh, the the science fair, uh, and this girl in his class won. So he uh, he hires Walton Goggins, who's a hitman, to kidnap the girl. I thought he was going to hire hire him to like murder the family. I was like, whoa, this movie's going dark. That's what I thought too. I was thinking. I almost, it was I almost get the picture that like maybe he wanted him to do that, but. Then Walton Gag- see Walton Goggins actually te- seems to, like talk the kid down in several scenes. Like right. this, I think the kid's a lot of ways more evil than Walton Goggins, you know. Right, and also, <clears throat> excuse me. Well, this is going on where like we're cutting into like Mel Gibson, and he like drives his truck into town. He's drinking like he's drinking milk and eating cookies on his drive in, uh, and he's Chris, and he talks to this guy at the bar, and it's like it- it's kind of weird how this movie like. Because it's like he's talking to the guy at the bar and he's like knows everything about him, you know, and he's like, oh, you got your wife and kids at home and all this stuff. It's kind of like this. It's almost when this movie starts 
you think maybe it's like, oh, well, he's not going to be like the real Santa Claus. This is like a play on like, oh, his name's Chris and blah, blah, blah. But then it's like, oh, no, he's really Santa Claus, which yeah. is like. Well, I knew I knew, I knew, knew that he was going to be the real Santa Claus. It's almost like he has unquantifiable magic powers like Bruce Willis in Unbreakable. Well, I don't know if they're necessarily unquantifiable. Um, he clearly has the ability to look at a person know exactly who they are and what their history is because he's got the list, you know, he's got Santa's magic list and he knows what kids, you know, are naughty or nice and who they grow up to be. Um, and, uh, and I think it's, I don't know, this movie's so weird as far as like grounding Santa. Yeah. He's also, he's also super strong because he lifts that whole like creative stuff. And he wears Carhartt instead of like, you know, fluffy, like velvet, like, you know, outfits. And, he, and he's, oh, wait, he's I, shot. one quick question, Joe. You're a resident cocktail expert. Is that Johnny Carson, a shot of Jack with Elgatelzer in it, a real drink? I've never heard of it, but I I was very uh, curious about it when I saw it. I I forgot to look it up. But, Did you try it? Uh, uh, if I had some Elka Seltzer around, you know what? I actually do have some Elka Seltzer around. So right. what are we thinking? We'll, we'll, we'll pause it. You go get it. You come back. You take a shot. You tell us how it is. What wait? What alcohol do we think it is? I think it's Jack Daniels. It's Jack, yeah. I don't have any Jack. Can we do Jim Beam instead? Fine. All yeah, right. that's fine. I'm gonna pause it. We're pausing here. When we come back, Joe will have the the Johnny Carson. Ready? Pause. Okay, I've unpaused the show. I'm not okay. telling Joe. We're gonna narrate. Okay, so right now Joe is he's. I can see him walking around, kind of in the background here. He's going back and forth. He just pulled out. Ooh, that's not something we're going to show on air. Uh, he pulled out. He's got some Jack Rye. He looks like he's got a shot glass. He found some Alka-Seltzer. He's opening up the Jack right now, pouring it in the glass. I can't see the glass. It's off camera. Looks like he's pouring a full shot. Not sure he's going to save enough room for the Alka-Seltzer and all the foam. I don't think he's thought this through. But we're going to find out. It's going to be great. Live on the air. Here we go. Joe is about to put his headphones back in. He's sitting down. Headphones are going in. And he's back. All right. I he's got the so here we go. You've got the shot. In Wait, your hand. you you were talking. You said you were going to pause the episode while I was gone. You were I totally talking did. All the time? Uh, so he he's got the shot glass in his hand. He's dropping the Alka Seltzer in, and it's not doing anything. Is it old? <laughs> it's fizzing. It's just fizzing slowly. Now now, do you have to wait for the Alka Seltzer to dissolve, or are you just I you think just he do. It? He certainly. I think just for the just for the pace of the movie, he didn't. So are you saying I should wait for this to dissolve and then do it in a little bit here? I don't know. Do you want to be burping the entire episode? All right. Here, here he goes. Down the hatch. Elka so seltzer and everything. He's swallowing it. He's making a face. Ooh, it's not a good face, guys. Not a good face. Well, he's brushing off his mustache. He's coughing. It, How was it? It wasn't it wasn't good. And then the okay, bottom so of the glass be, uh, has like a half dissolved. Elka-Seltzer The other drink in the movie you're going to need you to try, Joe, is uh, fentanyl-laced milk. <laughs> okay, well, I don't have fentanyl laying around, but... Um, oh, I thought you were going to see it in a milk around. Square. So anyways, this just in, don't do a Johnny Carson. It was not good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that's entertaining, so, guys. <laughs> so, <laughs> like we said, Walton Goggins had kidnapped the girl and brings her to Billy's house. And, like, basically, like, is like, hey, you're going to tell them you cheated uh, so I can get first place, or I'm going to have you killed. Going pretty dark at the beginning of this movie. Um, so uh, Chris Chris gets back to the house, and he meets with the government. And I guess 
But this is my understanding of what's going on with Go ahead. with him and the government. And if I get it wrong, maybe you can help me out. I'll jump in when you're done. Okay. So my understanding is that he is the real Santa Claus, and he makes toys, and he delivers them. Uh, but he's, like, subsidized by the government because the government subsidized. subsidized by the government. I just did a Johnny Carson. Give me a break. Uh, <laughs> it's still bubbling over there on the table. It's weird. Um, so... He's subsidized by the government. I said it wrong again, uh, because they want to stimulate spending on toys and everything associated with Christmas. So they kind of fund his operation. I'm, I can tell I'm wrong because LPJ keeps looking at no, it. No, that, that's basically no, correct. You're basically yeah. right. So here's what it is. Uh, apparently, <laughs> the entire economy of the world is based on Santa Claus existing. Um, and if Santa Claus doesn't exist then the economy of the world stops because 90% of the spending in the world takes place during Christmas time. So they need Santa Claus to exist and to continue to deliver toys uh, so that people continue to spend money. The problem is uh, uh, people are naughty. are naughty. The more and more people are becoming evil and you know he's got to follow his rules so less and less people are getting presents more people are getting coal okay. but they subsidize him because he doesn't make any money he officially doesn't exist so uh he can't collect a paycheck from like a normal thing he can't collect money he's they got to fund his operation because apparently santa's magic but he can't make toys magically he still has to actually physically produce them um True. it's a whole thing he needs food for the elves you know food for the elves when, when we get like this movie is wild because it's like yeah. it, it is such a weird movie like we'll get into the scene where they're in like the elves like cafeteria and it's just like this movie is weird it's very 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 weird it's really weird and um um uh the, the other point i wanted to make was so Apparently, all of the governments know Santa Claus exists. He's delivering toys that say from Santa Claus's workshop. Later on, there's a scene where people shoot at him. Um, how does the entire world not know he really exists? Well, yeah, that, well, that, I mean, we do. I mean, you know, up until a certain age, we do believe in Santa Claus. So this just is based on the concept of like, you know, I think it's kind of that same thing where maybe some people choose not to believe in them or, you know. I mean, you know. Also, I do I do question, like, they don't really address it. Like, does he only deliver toys to Christians, you know? Yeah. They don't address that. Because you're right. Because, like, the next scene is him, like, getting ready. It's Christmas Eve, and he's going out to deliver presents. Uh, and we don't – I like how this movie, like, shows some things, but it doesn't show him, like, flying in the sleigh or anything like that. Right. He just goes out, and then he comes back, and he's got, like, a nasty wound on his side. He's got, like, a, he's he's got, got people, shot. He's got a yeah, bullet hole in him. Because <laughs> people were shooting at him. Um, Billy gets up in the morning, and he is very unhappy to find out that he got a lump of coal from uh, Santa for Christmas. And what was that little fucker expecting? He literally has a hitman, like, on retainer. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm like, it's like, you know, what are you expecting, you little asshole? You know, <laughs> so he hires Walton Goggins to kill Santa. Um, and it also kind of seems like, like you said, like in this world is the fact that Santa's real or he exists like because like, well, Walton Goggins is like, OK, yeah, I'll kill Santa. But I guess he has like a history with Santa that we'll get into a little bit um, it, because the, we, we keep revealing that he is like 
obsessive buying like gifts from like presents that Santa gave to people that have like the little plaque that on thing it. on the bottom. And I and I guess they kind of explain it when we get to the end. We'll talk about that more when we get there. Um, so uh, Mel Gibson agrees to the military contract. They basically want them to build something for him for like oh, two. You missed something. So uh, Santa's paycheck has been dropping steadily because he's delivering less presents. And uh, it's all based on the amount of presents he delivers is what his paycheck is based on. But because okay. less and less people believe in him and are being good, he's delivering less and less. So now he doesn't have enough money to actually fund his operation at this point. So the government okay. says, okay, here's what we do. We will use your skilled laborers, a.k.a. the elves, to build computer components for our missiles, our missile systems. And he's like, all right, I'll take the deal. And he eventually, you know, he hems and haws about it, takes the deal. And so then the elves are building missile parts. Right. I believe it was jet parts. Jet when parts. He, when the right, elves come, yeah, it's our eagle of the sky or whatever. Yes. Eagle of liberty. Jet parts. So uh, Walton Goggins works on, I love his, like the montage of him doing research, trying to figure out where Santa is. He's like, <laughs> he's like watching Santa Claus cartoons and stuff like that. It's so weird. It's like, Calling. I need the number of the North Pole. No, I'm sorry. I'm swearing at you. <laughs> oh yeah. And he's like, what's the name? And he's like, Chris Kringle. <laughs> it's it's a funny montage. Uh, so he, he, he follows a mailman. Uh, ask him like, "Hey, where do you send the letters?" And he's like, "I don't know. You got to talk to the supervisor." And so he kills him, and he takes his truck, uh, and he talks to the supervisor, and he's like, "Hey, like, I'm gonna kill you. Or I'm gonna hurt you unless you tell me where the letters go." So he tells him, and then like Walton Goggins kills him anyways, right? Um, so, uh, so, and this is like, I feel like this movie keeps unveiling itself to be weirder and weirder because like, this is where we're like, oh, okay, Chris is agreed to the contract and we're in the factory full of elves. Yeah. There's and elves. There's I was like, I love the elves because they weren't like your typical little people. They were like smaller, almost like Hobbit-like, but with sallow, pale skin because they never, they're never in the sunlight. They go there and like, so they weren't grotesque. Ask, but they were like, "Look that." I thought that was good. Yeah. Well, so um, he's he's like, "Yeah, we're gonna do this military contract." Um, I like that one of the things that the military does is they cut all the bells off their shoes because uh-huh. they say it'll set off the metal detectors, and they like send in all this extra security and stuff for the farm. Um, Walton Goggins he crosses over the border into Canada. Um, that and this is also when they're bringing it when they're when the military is bringing in all the stuff. That's when we find out that Santa's super strong. Which, by the way, other than that, doesn't come into play in this movie at all. Like these guys are struggling with this pallet, and Santa's just like, "Hold on!" He's like, and he, he moves it up. Um, well, he beat the shit out of a guy with a log. Yeah, there's that, and they also um, he has apparently superhuman healing. And his powers are based on the power of belief. So the more people hey, who believe in him, the younger he stays, the better he heals. T- t- time out. You don't have to be super strong if you're going to hit somebody in the face with a log. I bet you if I hit you in the face with a log, normal strength, you would probably be down. When was the, the last ground. time you lifted a log that size? I don't know. They're the heavier answer. Than, they're heavier than you think. <laughs> uh, probably never, but you know. If we still did pay- if we still did patrons, we do a patron where I lift the log. I got a dozen logs in my backyard this year on them too, and just, I, got, you know. I have a dozen logs in my backyard right now of that size. You can come on over. I'll let you hit Dave in the head all you want. 
Yeah, we'll. You just need a couple more Johnny Carsons. We just both need them, and then you know. Johnny Carson needs a little more liquid in it because now it's just like a half dissolved Elka Seltzer tab yeah. in the bottom of a shot glass. Or some more gin in there, or Jack. Uh, I'll save to the end of the episode. You don't want me getting loopy. Uh, okay, so um, Walton Goggins. This is more of this movie being weird. There's like a montage of him just driving, 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 and he has his hamster with him for some reason. Yeah. And like, and I like, I don't know why he has the hamster, but it's like he thinks the hamster's sad, so he stops at a pet store um, in Canada to buy it a bunch of stuff. And that lady like keeps telling him he's a snake guy or a reptile guy. Did she get a snake? Um, why is that's that one of his better scenes too? When he's just like, you remind me of my mother. She was also a stupid bitch who didn't who didn't listen. Who didn't know yeah. when to shut up? Yeah, yeah didn't, <laughs> didn't know when up. to shut the fuck up. Yeah, uh, it's a good scene, but I'm not quite sure why it's in the movie. Well, I think maybe that also enforces that no, he has no friends and no one who could take care of his hamster. The whole oh. thing is, he's certainly he's a psychotic killer, but they definitely make him sympathetic. You know, he's yeah. an abused child, all that stuff. You know, they it's do. like the hamster is another part of his humanity. Like he's he's. Like Mel Gibson calls him a twisted child, you know? Right. Right. So uh, the government, sh- these suits show up for the government, and they're, they're kind of like, hey, we want we want you to continue to do this for, like, the next 15 years. We're gonna, we want to lock you in. And, like, uh, Chris is reluctant to do it, but he's, uh, he's kind of like, yeah. They're like, yeah, you're going to end up doing it. Like, you're, you're going to need us, like, this time next year. It won't be as sweet a deal or something like that, I think right. they say. Yeah, they're trying to hold him over a barrel to make sure they get their parts, and he, you know, makes them. Um, so one of the things in the in the Walton Goggins driving uh, montage is that <clears throat> he stops at a gas station, and there's, like, a kid playing with an airplane in the car, and he, like, buys the airplane off the kid for $150 because it has one of those, like, made in Santa's workshop right. on the bottom of it. Um, okay. So, and this is when they finally revealed that this whole time that he was driving forever is that he was driving through Canada to Alaska is where he was going. And that uh, he's driving to where Chris operates out of North Peak, Alaska. Yep. Um, so this is where we get the crazy scene too, where like the, 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 the captain or Colonel, whatever the guy, the army guy there is like, he's in the cafeteria <laughs> And they show like the elves, like you know, it's like a lunch table thing, and they're just like it's all just like candy and cake and pie, and there's like a five minute scene where like he just talks to the elves about their diet, like Seven, who's like the they all the elves are all numbers, right. and Seven's like the main foreman for the factory, and there's literally like a five minute scene where he talks about their diet, and he's like, yeah, you guys are probably all like can't you're so short and you, you like look so pale because you're not eating any like protein and stuff. Yeah, and they're, and, and they're like, well, you know, and they and they stay up all like they only need what what do they need like forty minutes they, of sleep? They sleep, they sleep, tw- they take a twenty minute nap every eight hours. That's what it is. Yeah, he's like, well, it's probably because you're hyped up on sugar. It's such a weird, like, specific detail and a weird scene to have in this movie where they're just like sitting around talking about what elves eat. Um, so, uh, Walter, I will got- say this: if they didn't bring it up, wouldn't you have wondered what they do? No, I wouldn't have. Wondered. I would have. I want to know more <laughs> about these elves. Yeah, you're not as naturally inquisitive as LPJ and I. We're like, what are the elves doing? You know. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Walton Goggins uh, goes to the post office. 
um, uh, and talks to the post office guy. He's trying to figure out where Chris is because uh, he knows the name of the P.O. box. Uh, he knows the number of the P.O. box, and he's like, oh, well, that's that's Chris's. You know, he comes around here every couple days, so he's like, I'm going to wait for him. But then he also does some shopping, uh, and he buys, like, some skis, which he doesn't ever really use, and, like, a white kind of, like, snowsuit, I guess. I think yeah, it's, it's the like same place that uh, that Logan goes shopping in the Wolverine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, okay. And he buys a bunch of guns and weapons and things of like that, too. No, I thought he brought all those guns and stuff with him. He wait, did. Wait. He brought the form that said they go take a gun. So what did through he, Canada? So, oh, so he just bought the coat and stuff. Yeah, and skis and goggles and okay and whatnot. Yeah. Um. So eventually, um, like while this is happening, like the whole movie, like Chris or Santa Claus, if you will, he's been kind of like, like we talked about, he's been kind of losing his. Christmas spirit, I guess. Like he's just been kind of like down in the dumps, and, and, and Mrs. Kringle kind of like reminds him. I like that scene where he's just out in the. He's just like boxing. Uh, he's just doing like some boxing out in the barn, and she like basically leaves him all this stack of like manila envelopes with all of them having there. Like it was like a kid that he got like a cooking set, like who's now like a chef and someone that was like a firefighter, and kind of like reminding him of all the good that he did. Yeah. So. He's like rejuvenated. Like he goes into the town, he goes to the bar, and he doesn't even get like it. Uh, uh, Johnny Carson. Oh, so, so you get so now are you get drink a glass of mil- of warm milk? If I if I had some milk here in the apartment, I would drink some milk now. Um, so anyway, so he goes in the town. Walton Goggins follows him back uh, to the farm. Uh, Miss Kringle knits a big, huge uh, uh, comforter for some reason. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, then Santa and Mrs. Kringle take a trip to the bone zone. Yep. So, so I mean, at, you know, boning included and all that. I think the relationship between them is great in this movie. I agree. I was going to say I the think same they're thing. They're both really good. It's an age appropriate relationship. Yeah. Like I really think they're both really good. You yeah. Know? I think they have. I agree. They have great chemistry. The two actors have great chemistry, yeah. and I think the way their relationship is written is really good. Like. Yeah. You know, she's his rock and and he's you know, he he need, he just needs a little little help and she's yeah. right there to give it to him. It's it's fantastic. I think their it, relationship is great. I yeah. I agree with everything you guys are saying. It is it is very good like they kind of like keep each other balanced and everything. It's 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 done very well and they're they're good performances. That's the thing too about this movie is that like I'm not like Dave, a big Mel Gibson guy. I don't dislike him, but I'm not. But like, he's really good in this movie. Like, yeah. I, he's really good, and so so is Walton Goggins. But anyways, so this is where I have a slight problem. Walton Goggins shows up at the farm and easily dispatches the entire military unit that's there. Yeah, I, you're right. You're absolutely right. These are supposed to be it's so. They put up so much extra security to keep these parts safe. Right. They are trying to keep Santa hidden, just in general. Yeah, there's no way they would have. So they have like one guard station for the only road that comes in, but they don't have anybody patrolling like the hills above it. (laughs) Like they got guys kind of barely walking around a little bit, maybe two guards patrolling the entire perimeter, which doesn't make sense. They didn't put up cameras. They didn't put up extra lights. They didn't put up any kind of like security fencing. It's such a half-assed job for the security on this. It doesn't make any sense. I'll tell, you why, I'll tell you why it makes sense. They're about as good as the security team in Under Siege. 
Yeah, it, I'll tell you why it makes sense. It makes sense because the budget of this movie is twenty million dollars, and half of it went to uh, to Mel Gibson, and they didn't have money to pay extras. I I would say if I'm gonna like rationalize it, even though I brought up the point about it, is like maybe it was like they didn't they, they had the security because they had to, but they didn't really think there was going to be anything going on there, so it wasn't like they were really staying vigilant. You know, they were kind of like. Yeah, we're up here guarding Santa Claus, but like That's nothing's true. actually going to happen. I They're think like, oh, we're in Alaska. And I would also counter that. Now, th- this is probably a stretch, but Walton Goggins is based, or th- as they call him at a certain point in, in the credits, he's listed as Skinny Man. Yeah. He's kind of possibly a little magical himself. He's Santa's like evil, twisted counterpart, you know? His Krampus, if you will. This this is a stretch. Yeah, like <laughs> this movie's got a lot of weird things in it. I'm not sure that's one of them. I think he's. Th- I think he's just more supposed to be like an '80s action or '90s action movie killing machine, like yeah. you know. Yeah, and I think he does kind of catch them off guard. So yeah, we'll let it slide. Um, yeah. So he sneaks into the factory, starts planting bombs. The elves find him. He starts shooting more military guys and like shooting at the elves. And the elves like call like a code yellow or something, I guess, where like they're like, oh, we're going to hole up in the living facilities. Um, which I guess it seems seemingly this living facilities seem to be right by the factory. But then when the factory blows up, all the elves are fine. I don't know. So, um, uh, so yeah. So uh, Walton Goggins ends up killing Captain Jacobs, who was like the main military guy, who turns out to be a pretty nice guy because he like yeah, saves yeah. a bunch of elves and stuff, which I thought was cool. Uh, and he blows up the factory. So that's when you get the showdown between uh, Chris and, and Walton Goggins. Uh, I, what was that like really cool, like old like pistol that Mel? That Mel Walton. So he had basically the two like two of the most iconic Colt guns. He had the nineteen eleven. Mm-hmm. And then he had the Colt Walker. And you, that one thing that you where you had probably seen that was that's the gun that Haley Steinfeld has in the True Grit remake. Like the one they keep saying is too big for, you is know, because it? it's a, it's a dragoon pistol essentially. So like for mounted like dragoons, and it's really it's it's a huge. It's an old, it's like one of the earliest you know revolvers, but it's Help. huge. So the idea is that you could beat someone over the head with it if you uh, ran out of ammo, you know. LPJ, is it the same cult that the Winchesters have at yes. uh, Supernatural? It is? Okay. I thought it looked pretty similar. Yep, yep. The Walker, I almost I almost bought a reproduction a few years ago, but like when I came back to the store, it was gone because it's it's a badass gun. And you, you it, it's a it's you know it, it's a, a cap and ball, but you can get conversion kits to Well the other gun looked like a more modern like pistol regular. to me. Yeah. Like it a, was. Okay. Uh okay. So so like they, they kind of have their showdown and that's when like he like you said he calls him by his real name and because he you know he remembers him. And basically, yeah. Well because like we didn't mention in that scene when he buys the plane off the little kid, he's like he's like, Oh, did you get that from Santa? He's like, This is all I got, and he like rolls up his sleeve and it's like a bunch of like cigarette burns on his arms. So basically, you know, that the the police car that he had, he's like, This is the only thing you ever gave me, and like Santa's like, I couldn't you know, I couldn't give you what you want. I couldn't give you new parents because he had like an abusive, you know, parents and he couldn't, you know, he's like, he's like, I can't, I couldn't help you. You know, he's like, there's a limit to so, what I can do. Yeah. That's yeah. how he said this. So, so that's why they were, that's why he kind of like Walton Goggins was like, I guess is that that's why he was like obsessed with getting the gifts because Santa never gave him gifts or. Yeah. Well, cause he, um, he, uh, he got the police car and I think Santa's intention was, you know, the police, the police car is sort of a metaphor to like, you know, maybe 
go to the police, maybe become a police officer, maybe maybe don't don't fall into a life of crime. And instead of taking the car and using it as inspiration, he used it as motivation to do the opposite. And so he stopped getting gifts from Santa Claus because he, you know, he started becoming a bully. Yeah. And maybe before that, his parents were a bunch of useless junkies and sold all of his gifts. Maybe. Could be. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, so yeah, so they have like a shootout that's like really cool in the snow where they're shooting at each other and like, that's that's like he hides behind the, the pile of like the, the firewood and that's yeah. right when he that's it is sweet when he takes that log and just like hits him across the face with it. Uh and it's just like beating the shit out of him for a while. Which is like I don't like at this point Walter Goggins has been shot twice, hit in the face with a uh a log and he's still like, I'm still fine. Um but then he where is that retractable blade that he stabs him? It's his knee. I think oh, it's shit. his knee. Yeah. Because yeah, they show up to a shit. They show him like putting it together earlier. It's like a so it shoots out and he like stabs Santa through the chest and then he like shoots him and he's like, ah, I killed him. But then he gets shot by uh, Mrs. Kringle and he like he like wings her and he like chases her into the house and he's looking for her and she's like hidden behind the door and she seemingly has like a flintlock pistol. Yeah, and that's another horse pistol. And like those are like a lot of times you can load those up. They've already got big caliber round, but then a lot of times they would load them up with like glass and like nails and stuff like that so it's almost like a little shotgun do you think there's any significance to the guns that santa has i think so i think they're supposed to be like they're supposed to show how old they are exactly like you're like it was kind of like okay you know the 1911 (laughs) was world war one like around that era the walker was like the 1850s you know Mm -hmm. like so i think and then that would be been even earlier so to show how old they are right gotcha uh, I did want to say, uh, so uh, I poured some more alcohol into the shot glass with the uh, Elka-Zelser tablet, and it's, like, completely dissolved now, and it's turned this orange color. Oh, weird. Uh, so, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I bet you it's better now. Uh, anyways. Uh, question mark? Question mark. Uh, <laughs> I, I told you, I'm not going to do the shot till the end of the, end of the show. Um, I still can't believe you told me you paused the episode and then didn't pause it at all. I totally, pa- I totally paused. Pause it for a little bit. You can, you can you listen back. I had it completely paused the entire time. I don't listen back to the episodes anymore. <laughs> uh, you know that. Um, so, so Walton Goggins is dead because he gets shot with a flintlock pistol. Uh, turns out that Mel Gibson isn't dead because Santa Claus can't die? Question mark. Yeah. No. Apparently he can't. As long as there's Christmas spirit, he'll always be alive. Exactly. And I think a lot of that is his wife because she has Mrs. Claus has so much spirit that she, you know, she's kind of nursing him back, you know? Well, right. Cause he's still like, we find out that he's still injured and it's like, he's alive, but it's not like, because the final, the kind of the final scene in the movie is, is perhaps the best part of the movie when they go to visit <laughs> Billy. Cause they, they find the book, like Walton Goggins is taking all his notes, in, like a notebook and the L finds it. And, so they track him down and like uh, first, and I don't know if it was connected, but at first, like his grandma is like getting, cause he was like stealing checks from his grandma and like faking her signature and spending the money. Yeah. And the first thing is that like, she gets a call from the bank and like finds out that people are spending her money. Is like, we're going to track down who did it. Did, was that the Chris do that? Do you think, or was I that just so. unrelated? Yeah. No, I think so. So he goes into his room to make the milk and fentanyl, and uh, Ruth and Chris show up, uh, and it's pretty great because he basically just kind of like threatens them and is like, "Hey, yeah, like, like basically, like if you do anything wrong again, 
I'm gonna kill you. And he's like, it's that great bit because he comes in and he's all like bandaged up, and they like take the bandage off because he he got shot right in the eye, so he's like doesn't yeah. have an eye. It was that great bit where he's like, Santa's got his eye on you. <laughs> it's like they show it's like the gaping wound where his eye should be. Um, I have- really liked it, and like, and I'm not gonna say which movie because I don't want to give any spoilers for it. But like, when the recent movie I was taught, I was telling you. Hovercraft Joe, how much I hate whenever they let a bad guy away, but it worked in this movie. Because yeah, so yeah. you can't have Santa killing a kid, first of all. But also, it worked. like Just like how angry he was and this, how threatening he was. This is an instance where it actually worked. You know? Yeah, he's, he's like, I'm gonna like snatch you out of your bed while you sleep and stuff. It was, it was, it was pretty badass. And like you said, it was like he wasn't gonna kill the kid, but it was pretty great. Well, that's what's interesting about it is because before the scene, he says he's gonna go be proactive now about. Yeah. Oh, that's right. So it's like, is he throughout the rest of the year gonna be traveling to naughty kids' houses and having like sit down conversations with them? Like, I, is yeah, that what they're implying? A lot more. I, I definitely feel like that that's what they're implying that like naughty kids are going to get visits from him and he's basically going to threaten them to be good. Yeah. Which is kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah. Kind of great. Um, so yeah. So then like the final scene of the movie is we're back at the farm uh, and him and all the elves are like, they have their renewed Christmas spirit and they're going to, they're rebuilding the factory and they're going to make it bigger and better than ever. And I do like the little bit that, that the only thing we see him eating the whole movie is just Christmas cookies uh-huh. <laughs> that like Miss Kringle is constantly cooking and he's always eating Christmas cookies. I like that little bit. He's we only besides the um, the Johnny Carson, we only see him drink milk and eat uh, cookies. Well, I guess that's not true because he has that flask that he's drinking booze out of that she won't let him take when he goes to deliver gifts. So. Right. But I like that little detail that he's just always eating Christmas cookies. That's, that is that's pretty, pretty great. great. I, I also enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's the end. That's the end of Batman. Mm-hmm. Right, ripe for a sequel. I gotta say. I agree. Where he just goes around just beating the shit out of kids. That's that, what I want to see. I want to see him threatening children. Well, like, you know, honestly, like, I mean, you know, LPJ, like, you know, your kids are nice, but you should still probably show them this movie just to ensure good behavior. <laughs> yeah. This like, seems hey. appropriate for my 12 and seven year old. Exactly. Yeah. I can see based on this movie's. <laughs> box office success how it definitely deserves a sequel i'm gonna i'm gonna tell him i'm gonna tell him this is a this is a biography this is based on true events well like based on like you know like you know sometimes like movies that even that don't do well still get sequels so like yeah i can see them making one with like jeff fahey as santa claus then you know <laughs> wow that's a weird pull Oh, Jeff Fahey. Or treat or treat Williams. Treat Williams, yeah, that's it. This is a, this is a real yeah. treat Williams sequel kind of picture. Was he the yeah. original substitute or is he the replacement? He's substitute? the replacement substitute. Yeah, the first okay. the original Tom, Tom Berenger is the original substitute. Yeah. Who, so also Tom, nowadays Tom Berenger and Treat Williams are kind of on equal footing, I would say. A but. Bit. Man, you know, you got ever uh, everyone listening. You know, the podcast has hit a rough patch when we do the substitute month and we just watch all the substitute <laughs> movies. Wow! But at least we can like start every episode with substitute because I think th- there's at least three of them. There might be four. So I yeah, there's four. Right, it doesn't so. matter. How about we just rate this movie? Right, yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, Dave, what do you want to do? You want to go first? Do you want to go last? How, I'll go how first. Can handle this? So, 
I mean, it's not a perfect movie, but okay. And I will fully admit I'm biased in two ways. I'm biased because I love Mel Gibson, and I'm biased because I love Christmas movies. So, and when you look at the drack that most Christmas movies are, this is much better constructed than most of them, and it's it's enjoyable. And I liked it. It's not perfect. I'm you know it's it's certainly as far as the action goes. There's really the only one big action scene. You know, um, I'm gonna give it three and a half machine guns. Okay. okay. All right. Um, I'll go next. I I, I went. I went kind of on a journey with this movie because I will say like the first half of it, I, I was not like I, it was weird and I wasn't really into it. And I was like, I, I don't know about this, but it kind of won me over. Like the more, the weirder it got and like kind of by the end, like I really did like the ending. Um, I'm not as swayed by Mel Gibson or Christmas movies as Dave or Tush. So I, I can't go as high as that, but I, I think it, it was an enjoyable watch, and I feel like if you haven't seen it, it, it's worth checking out. You know, it wasn't a long movie, but I, I didn't love it. I, I can't ever see myself watching it again, so I'll, I'll give it two and a half machine guns. Okay. Um, yeah, this movie, you're right about it, you, like you, because it starts out strange. It starts out with this annoying kid, and you don't really know where the movie's going. You don't quite know that... Mel Gibson is really Santa Claus. You don't know if that's a red herring. And it takes a minute, but but the weird the longer it goes and the weirder it gets, the more they kind of lean into the weirdness of the movie, the better it gets. So I think it like it really it gets better the longer you sit and watch it, which is rare for a movie. Normally it's the other way around. Normally it starts off strong and it kind of lulls in places and then maybe it finishes strong, but this really is on an upward upward slant the entire time. Um, all the performances in it are really good. Even the annoying kid is actually a pretty solid yeah, actor. Yeah, you're supposed to hate him. What's that? Yeah, he, you're he supposed is. To hate him. You're right. Uh, Walton Goggins is great in this. You really understand his motivation for wanting to kill Santa, and you do sympathize with him a little bit. Um, the relationship between Mister between Santa Claus and, and Mrs. Claus is really great. Like the two actors. Um, really play off of each other, and they have a really great chemistry. Like I would, I would like to see the two of them in a movie again together. Like I would agree with that. Maybe, I would say that she's the low key MVP of the movie. Yeah, I agree. Know? I agree. I think she might be the best character in this movie. You yeah, know, she's she like she, the whole movie kind of hinges on her ability to um, inspire and motivate Mel Gibson to kind of get back to the roots of what he does. Um, she saves, she saves him both figuratively and literally. Exactly, exactly. Um, Plus, it's the, got that sweet Colt in it. The sweet Colt, yeah. yeah. It's got neat guns in it, you know. And I, I kind of like what they did with the lore of Santa Claus. It's so stupid, but it's so it's so great. Like they really lead into it. Um, I don't love this movie as much as Dave does. I I think it's definitely a niche kind of movie. I don't know that everybody, this is definitely not going to be a universally loved movie, but there's definitely a market out there. And I think the market is the audience for this podcast. Um, I would agree. I would say yeah. if you like the stuff that we cover on our show here, you're going to probably like this movie a lot. For that audience, it's definitely a three and a half. For a general audience, I'd say probably closer to two and a half, three. Um, I'm personally going to say three machine guns for me, but. The right audience is going to love this movie. And as you can tell by the 
by the audience scores in Rotten Tomatoes, there is an audience for it, and they do love this movie. So I'm going to go Three Machine Guns. I do think people should see it, but keep in mind, it's definitely a niche kind of movie. Yeah. yeah. No, I like, agree with that. I would say, like, probably the, like the, the audience like of this show that you talked about, they're probably like me. They probably hate the Hallmark Christmas movies. Like, there's nothing for them there. There's probably a limited number of Christmas movies that they want to watch, and I think this is a this is a good Christmas watch because there is that Christmas spirit in the movie too. There really know? is. Well, and, and that leads me to an interesting question I want to ask you, Tush, while we have you here. Uh, what you can't say Die Hard because that's too obvious. But what would you say is like a really good? And don't say Lethal Weapon or Lethal I Weapon. I'm gonna say Lethal Weapon because Lethal Weapon is more of a Christmas movie than Die Hard. But go but, ahead. But like a Chris, an, a Christmas action movie. What's what's one that you can think of? This Kiss like? Bang Bang. Okay, I didn't know it's that was an bang, action bang, movie. Bang. I mean, it's Shane Black again. Like you know, you know, his movies take place at Christmas generally. Oh, that's um, right. Kiss that's right. Bang, Ooh, bang, we could we could do Iron Man three on the we podcast. Could. <laughs> we could. Um, um, the second one? I, think, I mean, technically, Joe, Batman. We never did the first like, one. We didn't. Oh, oh. Joe, Batman, ret- or hovercraft, Joe, Batman Returns is a Christmas action movie. Oh, Batman Returns is an overrated movie. We covered it on the podcast, and not I do great. not, I do not understand with the reverence for it. I, I would agree. Um, but, so another good. It's not that action. It's not really an action movie, but a really underrated Christmas movie. If anyone's ever seen the movie Millions. An excellent movie. Like the only person you'd recognize in it is um, uh, he plays. I'm trying to remember his name. Eh, eh, I can't remember, but he's a recognizable actor in it. But it's a very good movie. And I think, um, I think you're missing kind of the obvious one we've covered on the show for Christmas: Reindeer Games. <laughs> <laughs> I know the 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 problem of trying to do a whole month of holiday action movies is there's not that many and there's at least three that we've already covered on yeah. the podcast so um we're st- we're stretching the concept a little bit but that's fine especially because um, you've already done the two lethal weapons that take place at christmas you've already done yeah mm-hmm. and die hard and reindeer games mm-hmm. and yeah so you know but we'll, we'll figure it out we got some we got some yeah. good stuff and so for you guys so um yeah, no, I don't. I don't fault your guys' ratings. Like, I, I agree that if it's something, especially if you listen to the podcast, you haven't seen, you'd, you'd probably enjoy it. Uh, and it definitely, like I said, it definitely won me over because I was thinking it was like a one machine gun movie for like the first half hour, but then I got into it. And like you said, the performances are great. Um, I just, you know, I didn't love it as much as you guys, uh, and I just, I probably would never watch it again. But I would say check it out. So, yep. yeah. Oh, I remembered another another great Christmas action movie is Joya Noel. It's about the Christmas truce during World War One. Uh, it's got Diane Kruger in it, and um, the guy uh, I, I can't remember his name, but he plays Baron Zemo. Oh, okay, Daniel yeah, Rule. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, he's in it, and it's it's a very good Christmas uh, action movie. What about that uh, historical Christmas event when the Red Baron and Snoopy decided to stop fighting each other so they could celebrate uh, Christmas together? I mean, that was kind of inspired by like the same thing, but uh, is that's the weirdest song, Snoopy and the Red Baron? Like it's just bizarre. I, we had a oh, record. Happy New Year. We we had a record, me and my brother, uh, that growing up, and it had that on there. We used to listen to like I've heard that song so many times, and it's it's very weird. All right, <laughs> did, you, did you do that shot? Uh, no, I mean I can do when, it right now you if you want. Do, do you want to do it after the plugs at the end? Yeah. Okay. So first, let's plug anything you want to plug. Tush. 
Eventually, I'm gonna I'm, I'm sending my book out to more people, getting it edited. Eventually, it's gonna come out. So, All right. What's the title? Uh, it's Overtime and Adventure in a Lesser Hell. All right. Register the Library of Congress. None of you fuckers can uh, steal it. There it is. That's why I wanted you to get that plug in. I knew you had to, I knew you'd done that. Um, cool. You can check us out anywhere. We're uh, we're on every every social media platform you can imagine, except TikTok. I had to stop doing those videos. They shut my account down. Because um, yeah, the Chinese kept stealing all your information. It, it was real weird. It was very strange. Uh, big proponent of Twitter now. Guys, Twitter is totally the place to be. Uh, <laughs> big, big fan of Twitter. Free speech. You Free know? speech, guys. Um, <laughs> really, real... Truly, you can check us out on Discord. Discord is where we uh, kind of do the most communication. This is that's where this movie came from. Somebody suggested we do this movie on Discord, and um, if, if you were that person on the Discord, let us know because I don't remember it being a Discord suggestion. But I, I trust uh, LBJ. Well, yes. I don't. Somebody trust said him it fully, to me at some point. I'm pretty sure it was on Discord. Um, I but, how Discord has no political, like, no political agenda, and isn't owned by like a foreign a foreign government you know yeah i do enjoy that um but yeah check us out on discord go to uh gamezillamedia.com and if you scroll to the bottom of the page appearance on the podcast if you scroll to the bottom of the page our discord link is there you can click on it and uh join our discord and chat with tush who is i think on a delay and has no idea i'm doing plugs right now and keeps talking over me but that's okay uh do I get to plug? Joe, anything you want to plug? Well, I mean, Tubi, obviously. Clearly, Tubi. Tubi. Yeah, Tubi. Uh, we haven't talked enough about Tubi. <laughs> I mean, this movie wasn't on. Christmas movie here on Tubi. Yeah, this movie wasn't on Tubi, but Tubi does have a lot of lot of movies. Surprisingly, a deep deep library of movies. Uh, it's free to download. Yeah, you got to watch a few commercials, but like you know, last time Tush is on, looks like a good time to check your phone. You know, check your emails or whatever. Just if you don't have Tubi, download it and check it out. Um, that's all I got for plugs. Sometimes that's how I refer to my children when they're when they're behaving. I say, "Come here, Tubi. You guys are great." Uh, it's so, but, but you know, when they're when they're not behaving, then you know, I call them Pluto TV. But Tubi is the is the <laughs> one you got to go with. Tubi. Uh, Hovercraft Joe, let's do a toast to Tubi. He's got his, he's got his, uh, Johnny, Johnny Carson, Carson that's turned this, a weird shade of orange. Well, I think that these yeah. are like, uh, like cough medicine, <laughs> uh, Elka-Seltzer. So, um, here goes. Well. Yeah, not much better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't no. know that we can top that. Ooh, no, oh, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna vomit. No, he's good. He's good. I, I know rookie ain't gonna vomit. It's just taste gross. All right. Well, on that note, are you chewing your drink? <laughs> he looks like a dog that's eaten something bad, <laughs> or that has like peanut butter stuck on the roof of its mouth. Yeah. And just just end the show. Okay. But it's your dog. This episode of the Last Action Podcast has been terminated but we'll be back with Doobie. johnny carson chats Doobie. Doobie.